This is Amstigator, a podcast founded on purpose, but focused on the path to get there. Experience is the best teacher, right? And in this season of Amstigator, we're going all in on female perspective of women and wisdom as we answer one specific question. What's the lesson here? You'll hear from my best girlfriends and favorite female collaborators as we share deeply about what we're here to learn and teach as we guide other women to purpose. Welcome back to Amstigator. Today is another real life episode for you. And what I mean by that is this isn't an episode where somebody's trying to sell you something. Nobody's hawking a book. No one's trying to sell a service. This is a real woman. She's a real mom. She runs a real business and she's lived some real life hard lessons. And just as the episode title suggests, those lessons are how loss can teach you how to live. Katie Radel has that trademark Midwesterner kindness. It's so darn endearing. She always smiles, and she's always invested in you and how you're feeling. And she's just a good friend. You can just feel that, partly because she's such a good listener. And then also, she knows how to follow up with you and what you're going through. You know, she's one of those friends that's so great about that. Now, in this episode, she shares publicly why she's that way. And her path to get there might surprise you because it goes through grief and loss. Growing up the family business in Cincinnati, Ohio, it was the funeral home. Yeah, like she grew up in a funeral home. So early in this episode, she talks about the odd jobs she did, which is pretty amazing because it just feels so unusual. Hearses are involved, by the way. But that turns into her story about the time at age 31 when she was confronted with the death of someone incredibly close to her. She talks through what she learned through that traumatic loss and then what it meant for her failing marriage at the time and the choices she had to make. I mean, there is real life stuff in this conversation and it is worth noting, all of that is happening while Katie was also going out on her own as an entrepreneur. I mean, talk about like a crazy time in her life. She currently owns her own PR marketing agency. She does work for large organizations and also does pro bono work for nonprofits that are really special to her. So she's cultivating meaning and fulfillment all the time in the work she's doing and in the stories that she's telling. And I think what I love about Katie's episode is just how real it is because I hate surface level conversations. I don't do them. I avoid them. I always want to know what makes a person who they are. I want to know what shaped them. And in this episode, you learn why Katie Radel brings such a calm and accepting reverence to every conversation. More than anything, I want my episodes to show people they are not alone. And grief and loss can be your teacher if you let them. It's been Katie's. And that's why I'm glad to share her episode today. This is Katie Radel with the lesson, How Loss Teaches Life. Here's where I want to start with you. Uh Katie, I mean, you have so many things to add that we're going to get into this conversation. But, like, the most remarkable thing to me is how you were raised. Mm -hmm. So, like, that's actually where I want to start. And wherever our conversation blossoms from there, great. But you did not have a typical family business that you were raised in. Not at all. (laughs) My family is in the funeral industry in Ohio. And it's actually third generation. So we're going way back. So your dad's a third generation? My dad is third generation. Yes. So it's been in the family for a really long time. 
And, you know, most people, when they have their first job, it's, you know, babysitting or cutting grass. And Mine was at a water park. It was what's called a tube buster. <laughs> okay. A tube buster. I so now that. you know what you're dealing right. with. But your first job was? Well, I was going to say lifeguard. Um, <laughs> my first job was working at my family funeral home. And I doing? joke, well, I joke and I say I was doing odd jobs, but really they were very odd jobs. <laughs> They're very odd right. jobs with <laughs> very odd dead jobs. people. Right. Okay. So like, what are you doing? Sure. So everything from, I mean, cutting the grass to maintaining the hearses. Okay. Um, I would work a lot of visitations. So, you know. Doing what? Handing out... Uh, um, what are they called? I was about to say pamphlets. They're not pamphlets. Well, like, there's um, programs. Programs. Right? Thank you. Um, so opening the door, making sure coffee is made, cleaning up after visitations. I would go on funerals sometimes. Um, there were a few times I drove the hearse. Um, and a few times, we, so we had a limo as well. And I mean, talk about having to be able to navigate. <laughs> uh, a limo is kind of a different level. Precious cargo. Very precious cargo. So um, there were a few times I drove the limo and there there was a grieving family in the back. Wow. And, you know, to me, it was just part part of the business, you know, part yeah. of part of growing up, part of um, what I was used to. Right. I didn't know any different. Right. Didn't you live above it at one point in I your did. life? I did. So when I was 16, um, my brother and I moved above the funeral home with my dad. So it was the three of us wow. in this apartment. And um, the funeral home is this gorgeous old building. And there's an apartment above it. And we lived there for a while until I went to college. And um, actually, after college, um, there was a vacancy. <laughs> above the funeral home and I moved in there uh yeah. for a little while and I lived there by myself for uh for a little while right after college after I graduated did did it occur to you that people saw you living uh, or living above a funeral home being involved in funeral homes like it almost feels like a party trick did people treat it that way of like she she drove the hearse at times at times you know and, and when you're young and you're growing up and you're in high school um I think it was it maybe a novelty of, novelty. oh, that's so, you know, it's, it's creepy or, or whatever. But um, if you really, you know, I, I think my close friends, my close circle of friends, um, they just, you know, kind of got used to it like I mm -hmm. did and mm -hmm. didn't treat it any differently. Well, I mean, death is hallowed ground, right? I mean, it's, Very much. it's you are seeing, consistently seeing people at their mm -hmm. worst. So like mm -hmm. families of someone who, you know, family of the person who has passed. Mm -hmm you're seeing people at their absolute worst, you know, when they're grieving, when they're sad, maybe when they're angry. And then mm -hmm. a lot of times death brings out the worst in people because then there are fights and oh, yeah. it's sad. And you saw all of that from a young age. From a young age. And I, I think the gift that I was given is being exposed to that vulnerable moment in someone's life. It is a snapshot. And so people trust you with that. Yeah. That is a huge level of trust to be there at that moment, at your literal worst moment in your life. Um, and yes, it's very true. I, I think death brings out the best and the worst in people. There are so many levels of emotion there. And, you know, um, 
I kind of look at it sometimes as a, as a wedding. You know, weddings mm-hmm. can be very emotional for people too because there's family dynamics and um, just so many levels um, there that just complicate things. Mm-hmm. And so I like to say it brings out the worst and the best of people. Yeah. It's almost like it's been a teacher for you, you know, in this really interesting way. Mm-hmm. And I, I know for me personally, you know, as I reflect on on your story, I, I don't have, I haven't experienced or witnessed or dealt with much death at all in my life. Um, my first family member to die only just died two years ago. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, this was really recent. And I had never been to a funeral until then. Mm-hmm. I am in my late 30s. Think about that. And I, and I just, I, I reflect on your story, and yours is the exact opposite. You know, seeing and being confronted with end of life all the time. What do you, What I mean, gosh, there's probably so many things that it's taught you. What do you think are some of the most accessible things that you can just pull right now that, that, that it has taught you, that death has taught you? Well, I like to think of death and grief, really, um, as teachers. Um, death has taught me so much, and it has taught me how to live, most of all. Um, there have been different times in my life where, you know, I'm, I'm faced with adversity or um, even, you know, tragic situations where I have personal loss. And I can only, I have this unique ability, I think, because I learned from such an early age that death really is part of of life. Yeah. And um, we would be remiss not to learn from it. And so through each kind of personal loss and tragedy and, you know, just friends who have lost loved ones and just you know, living life, it's its part of the continuum. Right. Um, I, I think what the biggest lesson that I have learned from that is you better live. Yeah. You better live. Yeah. And you better live on your terms um, and, and take advantage of the life that we're given today. Yeah. You lost your mom so young. Were you, was it that you were 31 or were you 30? Remind me. I was 31. Mm-hmm. Tell me about that time and what was going on in your life and how that changed things for you, losing her so young. Sure. Um, well, I think that was the biggest personal loss I experienced um, that really, um, it changed my life in so many different ways. And at the time, um, gosh, I, I was going through a lot in my life. Um, you know, I was 31 and young and kind of just trying to figure out um, – what I wanted to be when I grew up, and at the <laughs> but time, you were you were employed. Like, I was let's employed. be clear, right, like you were doing right, PR already. I, I was I was on a great track, but um, you know I had been married for about five years, and um, the marriage was not a great one. And I think I knew that kind of deep down inside, but you know back then, gosh, I've I've done so much work leading up to this point. At you know now I'm forty two, that overwhelmingly, I wasn't choosing me. Mm. And there were so many red flags. And in the I, relationship, you In the saying. relationship. So many red flags in the relationship. And, um, you know, things were rocky. And I remember getting a call. My mom at the time, she was, she was living in Ohio. And she said, well, <laughs> she was very matter of fact. Well, I hate to ruin your day. <laughs> She's a character. Um, but I have cancer. 
and we'll see what happens. But uh, it's not looking so great. Mm. And I remember that was kind of that was in January. And I just remember thinking, well, okay, you know, um, we're just we're we're gonna see how this goes. And and I know that she is is one of the toughest people I know. So there's no doubt in my mind that she's gonna fight. Um, but you know, kind of on the peripheral, there was this kind of bubbling of of my marriage just falling apart, totally falling apart. Well, the last thing I wanted to tell my mom when she was fighting cancer is that, well, hey, guess what? Um, I know you're in Ohio, you're fighting cancer, and I'm in Tennessee, and things aren't looking so great. So yeah. um, I never told her. Mm. So, you know, after after a little bit of time, um, I would say about seven or eight months, she fought really, really hard. And um, <laughs> I know now that, you know, when I would check in with her, she would say, I'm fine, I'm fine, everything's fine. <laughs> <laughs> she definitely was not fine, but that was her way of protecting me. And, um, you know, things really escalated with my marriage in a bad way. And um, I just kind of, I, I, I didn't fully make a decision, but I made a decision to start the process at least, or investigating what it would look like to leave. Mm. Probably not the most amazing timing, but I see now years later, um, how divine it really was. Mm -hmm. So things were rocky and kind of on my own behind the scenes. I contacted an attorney. Um, I didn't tell anyone. I didn't tell any of my girlfriends, none of my family. Um, there was a lot of shame. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I was, I was young and, and, it, and it felt like I had failed even yeah. though I didn't. Yeah, it wasn't you, girl. <laughs> it was not me, girl. <laughs> um, but... You know, I, I had to protect myself, and so I uh, kind of started at least investigating the process of filing for divorce. And um, I had met with an attorney that was recommended to me, and I remember sitting in her office, and I was sobbing like I mm. haven't sobbed in a really long time. You know, my mom diagnosed with cancer, yeah. but it just came from a place of, you know, such grief and, and fear. Um, am I really going to do this on my own when everything else is falling apart? And I remember that divorce attorney. She looked at me. Was she like, get it together? She did. And it was, <laughs> it was the tough love that I didn't know I needed at the time. And um, I was sitting in her office sobbing. She handed me a box of tissues. And she could just kind of snap me out of it. And she said, I want you to listen to me. And she was real intense. And she looked behind her, and on her desk were a few photos of her children. And she said, do you see these two kids here? I said, yes. And she said, they were, I think at the time, she said, they were two and three when I left my husband. If I can do it, you can too. And now they're 10 and 11. And, you know, it was kind of like, Wake you up. can do this. Yeah. You can absolutely do this. This is warranted. I'm going to help you through this. And I will never forget it because that was probably one of my worst days. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I've, I've had a few rough days, um, but that was that was a bad one. And she just kind of snapped me out of it and, and just kind of gave me the confidence. And like, I, I got this. I got you. It's OK. Yeah. So that was kind of happening behind the scenes. And then maybe about a week later, um, I got a call from my family and my aunt said, you're going to have to come home. Yeah. Because your mom, your mom is, 
she's in hospice now and it's it's yeah. gonna be a few days wow so I immediately left and I drove to Cincinnati and you know I on the way it's like how do you prepare mm. <laughs> how do you prepare to say goodbye to your loved one what do you say to your mom of all people to your mom um what do you even say you know yeah. where do you even start how do you begin and you know I, I think where I landed is just love yeah that's it um and so I I was there with her um in this tiny little room and she was gosh she was in so much pain and it was it was really a terrible thing to witness, but at the same time, it was also one of the greatest gifts of my life to be in that room with her and to hold her hand and to let her go. And shortly after, I kind of had another wake up moment of, wow, this life we live is pretty short and you just saw how fast it can be. Mm. Your mom was young too. Yeah, she was 56 get up, <laughs> drive home to Nashville <laughs> after this funeral, divorce your husband, and move on with your life and choose you, finally. And that's what I did. Wow. There's nothing like staring at death in the face and taking a lesson and being <laughs> strong enough and wise enough to glean um, – direction from it and and it was almost like it was it was guiding me to gosh your life could be better yeah this is an opportunity and you know looking back a lot of people don't make big decisions like this after they've lost a <laughs> that's a pretty big decision right but it was um, already happening divorce to death you know moving jobs those are all really huge things that we do in our lives that that cause a lot of stress and trauma um but you know what I have never been more clear in, in my thinking and my decision. And so had the funeral and came back to Nashville and um, started the process of, you know, moving out. And, and it took a little time. Um, I needed to catch my breath and, and really make sure. Um, but at the same time, it was like that was probably the best thing that I've ever done for mm -hmm. myself. I wonder in that process of losing your mom, how much of that felt familiar. Mm. So much felt familiar. Um, but it was never to that point of being so incredibly personal. Right. Um, so much felt familiar as far as the emotions that you go through. You have to call someone yeah. when someone dies. You, you have to um, arrange things. And, you know, I say that planning a funeral is like planning a wedding in three or four days. Mm -hmm. um, you have to go through those emotions. And I was completely prepared to do that. Yeah. But what I, what I, what did not feel familiar was the intimacy of holding someone's hand as they take their last breath. I'd never experienced that in my life before. Yeah. And I feel so fortunate to have had that time and to have, I, I just had that presence in that tiny mm -hmm. little room. Um, it was probably the biggest gift I've ever received, hmm. being able to do that. Do you, even since you lost her 11 mm -hmm. years ago, do you feel her with you? All the time. W when? Hmm. In nature. Um, 
I've gotten to a point in my personal growth where um, my prescription for myself when I'm feeling a little uh, stressed, maybe overloaded, um, maybe spinning out of control sometimes. <laughs> I'm an don't, entrepreneur. So don't it's, we it's, all? Yes, we, we all go through things like that. Um, my prescription that I've learned very well um, has been to walk in nature. And if, if for some reason, you know, my, my child is sick or, you know, something, something's going on and I'm not able to do that for a few days, I can feel it. I'm the same way, actually. And I, and I for myself, need the same prescription. Just be, mm-hmm. I say, the way I say it is be in the trees. I've got to go be in Ooh. the trees. Yeah. Because I just have to, there's something about connecting to something so much larger, mm-hmm. like just even the size, just mm-hmm. so much larger than you, so much more vast than you. Absolutely. So you feel her there, huh? I feel her there, and um, my mom was a huge animal lover. Again, she was pretty quirky, so a lot of people said that she liked animals better than humans, and it was <laughs> probably true most of the time. Um, her and I have a special bond over horses, and grew up riding, and she taught me how to ride, and um, had horses, and was lucky enough to be in a barn and smell the smell of a barn, mm-hmm. and we shared that together, and... Um, it's, it's just so, so amazing because after she had passed away, I got involved in a group here in Nashville called um, Young Leaders Council, and they, um, they train young professionals how to serve on boards. So I went through the program, and then you kind of get matched with the nonprofit. And, you know, I, I really didn't know what I wanted to do, and um, a lot of the nonprofits were kind of already taken that I thought that I wanted. Well, I think, you know, there was a different plan for me because there's an organization in, in Franklin, Tennessee called Saddle Up. And it's a nonprofit that um, is equine therapy for children with disabilities. And it was, it, you know, it was after my mom had died. And I'm like, hmm, I get it. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I still serve with them till mm-hmm. this day, years later. And um, every time I see a horse or I'm in nature or, um, you know, even on the couch with my dog, I, I just... I feel her, mm. and um, it's really cool to learn how to embrace those um, reminders, and, and uh, you call them whispers, mm-hmm. and do. winks, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, it's really amazing if, 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 if you can be open to that. Yeah. And I'm, I'm so glad I am. And I think, you know, being, being raised in a funeral home <laughs> uh, really made me a little more comfortable with death yeah. than a lot of other people. Um, oh, sure. So many people are not. So, so many people put off so many end-of-life decisions because they're afraid right. of things ending for themselves. Mm-hmm. So they don't make choices for themselves right. because they're just afraid of what, you know, what does that look like? Right. And, and you know, why wouldn't we be afraid of what is unknown? Mm-hmm. It is very unknown, but also, you know, lately here, I've I've just been really open to having conversations about it. Mm. I had a friend; um, she passed away very suddenly in um, in the fall, last fall. She was only fifty years old and just the most amazing woman. And um, she passed away so suddenly, and I remember sitting at her funeral, thinking, "Wow." I better go home and talk to my husband. Hmm. We have a lot to talk about. Yeah, which I should point out, we didn't even tell this part of the story. You did find the love of your life. You did marry someone else. You do have a son. So you went to home home to your, Mm -hmm. I mean, I don't even want to call him new husband because you've been married for a while, but 
current. How about that? Current, yes. <laughs> the keeper. The keeper. The keeper husband. So you right. went back to that husband. Absolutely. Last last year when you lost your friend. Yeah, absolutely. And so I, I you know, this gift of having, you know, death somehow be my guider and it, it has just shined a light on so many things. Um, and it has, you know, woken me up to a lot. I went home and I said, it, it was it was him and I across the table. Our little boy had, had gone to bed already. And I was like, I know this is not a super fun conversation, <laughs> but, but I think it's really important. And, and I want to know how you want to be celebrated. Yeah. And, and I want you to know how I want to be celebrated and mm. also how I don't. <laughs> yeah, let's be clear. I've, I've seen hundreds of funerals, right, in my day, um, <laughs> good or bad. And um, I, I just want, I want us to have that conversation as hard and, you know, maybe as taboo as it may be. Let's talk about it. And so yeah. we came up with some really um, amazing ways to honor each other <laughs> and surprising. And he said... <laughs> He said, please don't have it at a church. Have it at a brewery. Oh, I'm like, yes. Okay. He's my new best friend. <laughs> yes. And I don't know your husband, but now I feel like I do know your husband. He's like, I, I just want you to have a celebration at a, at a brewery. I love that. And um, he also said to me, and, and I think this is so amazing, um, and, and I, I have now adopted this as well. He said <clears throat> he wants to be cremated, and he wants his very close loved ones to have some of his cremains, and for those cremains to be scattered somewhere they have never been. Oh, oh my gosh, I'm going to cry. Mm -hmm. Ooh, that's something. It is, but if you think about what a gift that could be to someone else who's grieving your loss... Um, that's quite amazing. And so after we've had this discussion, um, I reserve the right to change my mind. <laughs> <laughs> right? <laughs> and so <laughs> we watched uh, this huge fireworks display over Labor Day. It was so beautiful. And there's just something about fireworks that is so moving. And not long after that fireworks display, just really about a week ago, very casually as we we're making dinner, I said, hey, you know what? Um, I also want fireworks at my funeral. <laughs> and he's like, Katie, that's going to require permits. And I was like, I know, but this is, a, I mean, you'll be able to figure that out, right? <laughs> and he's like, yeah, I'll figure it out. Oh my gosh. So, well, it just depends on how big you want the display. Like, right. you know what I mean? Like, you could do, look, here's the deal. I mean, I'm just going to tell you straight up yes, I'm in the news. And yes, like, I'm in the business of telling people to do what's right and mm -hmm. stay away from doing what's sure, wrong. Sure, sure. But I'm just going to tell you if you have a crap ton of fireworks and you just start blowing them off in the backyard, if the police show up yeah. and you said to the police, let me just tell you what's going on. Not, I mean, you wouldn't, right? Sure, like, you sure, wouldn't. Sure. But if your husband says, like, uh -huh. listen, listen, I get that I don't have a permit, but let me be clear with you. Yeah. Here's the situation. They'd yeah. be like, you're right. You did right. No one's going to be. Yeah. I mean, maybe I'm the outlaw that's going to tell you, you don't need a permit for that girl. <laughs> Oh, but, especially on short notice. <laughs> yeah. But but I just think, you know, 
it comes back to living better, loving harder, mm. um, just being more aware and more intentional about who we want to be when we grow up, not what we want to be. Yeah. Well, I I feel that from you. You know, every in every time that uh, that I've been with you, you come to situations differently than most people. I would say most people. Um, well, first of all, let's start here. I would like to point out that this is probably an uncomfortable exchange because you are not a talker. You are a listener. So just right out of the gate, this might already be something you're like, I'm not totally in love with this podcast because I'm making (laughs) you talk instead of listen. Um, So that's already what you bring in every, you know, iteration, every conversation with everyone, number one. And then number two, I always feel from you you always have a reverence for the moment. And I, mm. I can't, I had never put my finger on it until listening to you today of like, no wonder, because there's this understanding that things end. Mm. Good ends, bad ends. Mm. So even in the worst times, you know it will be over. And even in the best times, Mm-hmm. You know it will be over. Right. You know, there's there's an ending to all of it. And so I do always with you, Katie, I always sense a reverence for the moment. Mm-hmm. Um Thank you. That's yeah, no, it's a beautiful thing. I don't think many people have that, but you have that. Uh which is fascinating. We haven't even talked about what it is that you do for a living. But I <laughs> I really feel like that's why I love this podcast and doing this podcast because it's so much more we we're so much more than our work. What we really are are the sum of our experiences and the lessons we've learned. And so here you have this incredible lesson to learn and to teach other people and how it's sort of, I guess, influenced the rest of your life. You know, like you leaving, gosh, how many times have you left Mm. big jobs and you've gone out on your own twice, yes. right? Like it's just yes. such an interesting thing that you've done. And to be in PR, like I would never just off the top say, oh, death and PR have a lot to go. <laughs> <laughs> They're real similar. They're not similar at all. Exactly. But I would say um, there's story. Mm. There's story to death. Yeah. And memories and love and grief and in all of those things, there's stories. Um, so somehow, in a way, that that has equipped me for yeah. for what I do now. Yeah, which is... St- as a grown-up. Yeah, as a grown-up. <laughs> yeah, Are not we? a 16 driving a hearse, but <laughs> as a 42-year-old woman. <laughs> yeah, running her own PR firm. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just really amazing. I would have never thought of that, but the truth is... I know that. I mean, story is everything. Mm-hmm. Narrative is everything. Narrative is how we developed as humans, right? Like before mm-hmm. we ever had the ability to write things down, we told stories. Lessons were in stories. They still are. And I, I, I'm always captivated by even songs, songs with story. That's how we capture an emotion. And you're doing the same thing. You're just doing it for companies or for organizations. I know the ones that are real dear to you. They allow you to tell stories, which is incredible. How do you feel about your work? It took me a while to get to where I am now as, you know, um, a woman in her 40s who has her own business and agency, if you will. Agency and me, and I guess agency too. Um, (laughs) 
kind of kind of the 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 background about that is you know throughout my whole career I'd always been in marketing and PR and in event planning it's all kind of been been there um, and I've worked for very large organizations and um, that has been um, just kind of what's easy for me uh, I gravitate towards you know financial services healthcare um, you know, it's it's kind of hard to tell those stories. <laughs> it's, it's not, you know. <laughs> yeah, how do you get the emotional right. connection to the bank? Right, right, exactly. Um, but but that's really been where I shine. But, you know, I, I, as you mentioned earlier, this is my second stint is being an entrepreneur. And really, this is where I'm growing and flourishing and just thriving so much because I finally listened to myself. Mm, that's what I was going to ask you. What changed? Sure. So, you know, I'd, I kind of gone back and forth um, working for large companies. And back way back in 2010, um, I was working for a bank at the time. And 2010 wasn't the best time. To yeah, be this was a great working. recession <laughs> right. time. Wasn't the best time to be working for a bank. Um, so, you know, I, I kind of decided, I'm like, well, I don't think I'm going to be moving up the chain anytime soon in, in marketing here in, in, in a bank. So on a whim, and good or bad, I didn't know what I was doing. I just knew that I had to do something else. And I knew that the door was closed at the bank, mm. and I wanted to open my own door. Mm. So kind of on a whim, I just decided to open up a corporate event planning company. It was so amazing <laughs> because that experience taught me that I could. Yeah. So, you know, my my family, they're they're entrepreneurs and, and I've been surrounded by entrepreneurs before and it and it always kind of sparked this fire in me of like, oh, I want to do that someday. But to actually do it is yeah. um it's hard work. Is very hard work and, and can be terrifying. At lots times, of courage. Lots of courage. And I I did that for a few years and I absolutely loved it. And I wasn't looking for a corporate job again because, you know, I felt I felt like, oh, I I finally figured out what I'm gonna do. Yeah. But um, one of my clients was a large healthcare system. There was some turnover, and there was an opening for a director of marketing, a PR job. And I don't know, so, something about the timing, it all just kind of worked together. And it was a great opportunity to learn healthcare and to do something different. And so I kind of took a chance. And um, <laughs> I love that you say, I took a chance. You took a chance and went into a corporation, which yeah. usually is opposite. People say, I took You're a right. chance and leave, you know. You're right. But, you know, I, I had to take a chance because, you know, I had to leave my baby that I just started, yeah. this this little business that I had. Um, and I didn't know healthcare. Yeah. So I was going into this this corporate job again, um, not knowing healthcare. And I absolutely loved it. I loved learning. Um it was it was such a great opportunity for me, and at the time, personally, I had a lot going on in my personal life. Um, you know, I, I had met my now husband, yeah. and um, we you know got married, and, and during that time in the healthcare organization, I just it was all about growing and learning, and I was able to get my uh, graduate degree. You know, went back to school, which is hard, and yeah. all of that. Um, and really grew and really learned. And um, then life changed. Life changed a lot because my husband and I had our little boy. And everything changed. Yeah. And that's Kids do that. Kids do that, you know. That period of time was really when um, I say all of my kind of upbringing reminders of this life being so fragile and precious 
kind of came flooding in. Mm-hmm. And I learned another really, really big lesson. I would go to work every day. And I would, <laughs> I would drive my little car, you know, through the, through the parking lot. And there were just loads of fancy cars. Really fancy cars. Right? Yeah, like because you're parking next to doctors sure. and Administrators. E- executives. Mm-hmm. So I would go to work every day. And I had this reoccurring thought that, wow. You know, now that I have my my master's degree, I too can have one of these amazing cars, <laughs> and that will mean that I have made it. Yeah. Um. And then I will get a promotion, and I will go here, and then my trajectory of my career will do all these things, and then I will too be able to afford this big home, and you know, all of these yeah. things. Because, you know, I think somewhere along the line. I don't even know when. I wish I could pinpoint it. I just learned or was taught, I I don't know, that um, success meant achieve. Mm. And it meant title. And it meant salary and the things. Right. And I just got really caught up in that. And I'm ashamed of that now. But also, I I wouldn't change it for the world because of where I am now. So, you know, I had my little boy, and I went back from maternity leave, and things were not great. <laughs> not great at all. I was trying so hard to swim. I, I, you know, just swim as hard as I could to be a new mom and a great wife and a good friend and serve on these boards. It is so freaking hard. Like, no one gives women enough. Yeah. Can we take about moment? Yes. No one gives women enough credit. No woman gets enough credit when they're coming back from having a baby, no. trying to fulfill all the roles, trying to still, I mean, God knows, did your baby sleep through the night by the time you got back to work? I mean, no. Like, exactly. <laughs> so you're not sleeping. No. You know, you're giving of your body still, even after you've had this child, it doesn't stop. And you're trying to fill all the roles at work and at home. It's like, it is so freaking hard. I think instances of postpartum uh, postpartum depression are so much higher than any of the stats would suggest mm-hmm. because most women go undiagnosed because we think, mm-hmm. oh, this is just what I'm supposed to do. Girl, no mm. one is supposed to be that unhappy, right? No one's supposed to be that, um, I mean, gosh, insomniatic. I don't know yes. if that's what you know what I'm saying. Like Exhausted to the bone. Yeah, exhausted. If none of it is okay, and we don't support new moms enough, I mean, I'm I'm part of the problem too. Like, I need to support new moms more because I know how flipping hard it is. Times three. (gasps) Times three. (laughs) Yes. So awful. (laughs) It's so bad. And thank you for saying that because I remember being on maternity leave and thinking, okay, when does it get good? Yeah. (laughs) Really. And and you get these cards from Hallmark or wherever (laughs) for your baby showers. Yeah. You get these cards and it's bundle of joy and joy, 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 joy. Yeah. And I just remember thinking... I don't feel the joy was wrong. Am I a terrible human? I, I'm so exhausted I can barely, yeah. you know, speak. And, you know, looking back, I don't know if I had postpartum depression. I, I, I didn't know what I didn't know mm. because it was the first time for everything. It right. was like, whoa, I feel like I got hit by a train. Yeah. Um, I remember talking to my girlfriends. I'm like, you guys didn't tell me about this. Because <laughs> if we did, you wouldn't have a baby. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um, but... Anyway, that, that, that period of time was, was really hard because, again, you know, I thought that I had it all figured out. 
And when I went back, it was it was just, you know, things changed so much. And, and so then you have to ask yourself, what are you going to do? Yeah. Now what? Yeah, yeah. You're feeling unhappy and unfulfilled at your yeah. work. So what is it? What are we so, going to do? So what's next? And when you spend your entire life achieving and, and thinking about, okay, what's next? That was great, but what's next now? Yeah. What is the next thing I can do that is even better? I didn't really have a lot of answers, to be honest. I just knew that that what I was doing was not working. I knew I wasn't being the person mm. that um, I necessarily wanted to be. Yeah. And I remember having some tough conversations about, well, you know, why don't you just quit and, and not worry about it? Well, you know, there's there's life. Like, you know, yeah. bills need to be paid and, right. and, you know, you can't be irresponsible. You have this new baby. And, and I just kind of had a moment one day. I was in my car. I was crying. <laughs> I was in my car. And I'm like, this is this is not okay, the yeah. way that I'm feeling. And I remembered, you know, I'm, I'm driving my, you know, Mazda or whatever it was at the time. And I just kind of had this feeling of, wow, you drive every day into work and you have this thought that you need a better car, <laughs> that you need to be driving a BMW or whatever it yeah. is, whatever. And that will, that will mean that you're successful. Yeah. And I had this moment and... <laughs> And I joke about this because I think there was like some amazing background music, like, like Bonnie bon Bear. Bear. Yeah, <laughs> really, it was just this, just amazing moment, and and it was just like, well, you remember all those funerals, right? All of those hundreds of funerals that you've seen or worked at. Was there ever a time that anyone was buried and said buried in their car, right? In their car or. In their, you know, mansion or, 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 you know, what, whatever, you name it, right? And it just hit me. Yeah. And once it, again, right? Death once teaching. Again. Absolutely. And, and it was almost like, you know, it was kind of tapping on my shoulder and saying, um, absolutely not. You mm -hmm. just, you, you need to, you need to stop. And I, I said it before, but I've been thinking about this a lot lately. I think at that moment in my life, you know, when you're when you're little, people always say, "What do you want to be when you grow up?" You know, a doctor, a firefighter, whatever. Um, but for me, what the lesson I learned in that moment was not what do I want to be when I grow up, but what kind of human being? Mm. Who, right? Who? Who? Or or I had an, another guest, um, Shannon Shotler, who she said she said I look at purpose as how do I want to be with? Yeah, yeah. Not what do mm -hmm. I want to be, but or what do I want to do? It's how do I want to be with, mm, right? I love like that. it's it's a matter of being, mm -hmm. in, a matter of embodying, even mm -hmm. you know. So what did you? How did you answer that question for yourself? How, sure. What do you want to embody? The simple answer is kind and good, and that sounds so simple. But I have this strange habit that I probably developed working at the funeral home. <laughs> I read obituaries all the mm. time. There is so much wisdom in obituaries. Mm. Um, some are actually quite funny. To me, it's just yet another reminder of this life is short, and what do you want that to say? Yeah. And it is not, you know, she had this or she was this title. Yeah. It was, she was incredibly kind. Yeah. And she gave back. Yeah. And she lived her life on purpose. And so where I am now is I've started my own business now. I've been in business for three years. Um, I do, you know, PR for 
large organizations and some nonprofits as well to, you know, it, it fills it fills my cup because I, I always have to have a finger in, you know, serve, <laughs> serving and giving back. And so now what that looks like is the, the, the who do you want to be? It means be good and kind, be a really good mom and be present. Not perfect. Because yeah. <laughs> that's not going to happen. Yeah. But be present. And um, gosh, I remember during that dark time of, you know, going back after maternity leave, something struck me um, that I never want to experience again with my little boy. I would go home and go through the motions of, well, what's for dinner and let's do a bath and, you know, all those things. Mm -hmm. But I don't remember smelling his hair. And I think when you're a mom, you have those sweet, sweet moments of just being in awe at this this life. Yeah, that you've created. I wasn't there. I, yeah. I really wasn't there for, for many reasons, to be fair. But um, I never not want to do that. Yeah. And so it looks like going to baseball practice and, <laughs> get, you know, creating memories. Yeah. It's, it's more about creating memories um, and being present and being a really damn good friend. Yeah. Um, and good wife. And, and again, you know, it's, it's, it's a journey and it's certainly not perfect, but I really try to be present and have that balance of, well, you can own a business and succeed, mm. but your definition of success is completely different. Were you able to get off at four o'clock to make dinner and go to the ball game? Were you able to drop everything and go to a friend's mother's funeral? Yeah. All of those things um, that equate to living a good full life. Hmm. I wonder if success is even the word. I feel like mm -hmm. we should maybe maybe even eradicate it. Maybe yeah. maybe it needs to be something else. Um, that's the work you and I will have to do. We have to come mm -hmm. up with a different word. I love that. Uh, because success is so laden with tangible, you sure. know, with with doodads, right? Like with, with cars, mm -hmm. with houses, with um, – with neighborhoods, with vacations. It, oh, yeah. Yeah, success mm -hmm. is a word that people just see see that way. There's got to be another word that mm -hmm. that that is a more full picture of what – I mean, you know, sometimes I hear people I hear people throw around the word uh, abundance, hmm. you know. Mm -hmm. um, wealth to me is still too much of a financial word. Sure. But maybe it's a life of abundance, abundance of mm -hmm. time, right? Time. Abundance of um, love. Abundance of relationships. Maybe abundance is the word. Like, a, you know, you're seeking a life instead of abundance and not of, a quote, air quotes, yeah. success, <laughs> you know, um, which I find fascinating. This is something that I'm exploring right now in my own life, which is like abundance and success are not the same thing mm -hmm. because abundance requires you to change your definition of what do you really value and what what means that you are successful? Well, abundance would mean that there's, for me, Lauren Lowry, for me, abundance would be time. Abundance, there's more than enough time. More than enough time. Something I battle all the time being in a television newsroom, yes. right? Like, because you're <laughs> working to the second. And abundance is also, there's a, a abundance of energy because I have three children, right? And then I run this podcast and then I, you know, work full time as a news anchor. Like, I ha there's more than enough energy there's more than enough creativity. Mm -hmm. There's more than enough money to pay for all of it, right? All the preschool, all the podcast, that, the mortgage. How do I need to go through all the things that <laughs> I have to the, pay for? Yeah, yes. All the things, right? Mm -hmm. So, like, 
to me, I in real time am having to learn that lesson Mm -hmm. of changing the definition of success and maybe reframing it to abundance. There's more than enough, right? Like there's more than enough for you. Maybe it's more than enough clients. There's Mm -hmm. more than enough clients who will pay for me to help some of these other nonprofits that, that really fill my cup. Do you have another word that you think might work instead? Just, you know, striving for what brings you peace and what protects your peace. Hmm. Um, and, and peace to me is those morning walks in nature. Hmm. Peace to me is smelling my little boy's hair. Even when he's dirty from baseball? Even when he's so dirty. Um, <laughs> yeah, all the time. Peace. What, what brings you the most peace? Because it's not tied to the thing. Mm. It is tied to... What's well, a feeling. It is. Isn't it? I mean, it's... Which is so much more real. Yeah. I think about uh, my therapist. <laughs> she says this all the time, too. Where it's... Um, she's like, unless you can feel mm. the change or feel the solution in this moment, you'll never... You'll never grasp a hold of, you know, what it is that you're trying to really change, you know? Because unless you feel it, it doesn't have meaning. So the goal is always to feel the change or feel, mm-hmm. you know, for me, I'll give you a real-time example. Um, you know, in, in, a, in, a, uh, in a newscast, what do I have? I have two-and-a-half-minute commercial breaks. Sometimes they're two minutes. Sometimes they're three minutes. But a two-and-a-half-minute commercial break is just enough time for me. Literally, this is, the, this is the mug that I take every day to work. It's my favorite mug. And I, it is my tea mug. So two and a half minute commercial breaks, enough time for me to go get some new hot tea. Mm-hmm. I take a moment. I breathe in. The, usually it's mint, mint, like vapor mm-hmm. from the tea. I take a few deep breaths. I feel myself start to calm down. Mm-hmm. And then I'm ready to go again because, you know, those newscasts can be, woo. I mean, like high intensity stuff, right? And so, like, if I personally don't take a moment to bring myself back down, then, I mean, then it just sets me off for the rest of the evening and then I have to go be with my kids and they expect and deserve right. love, right? So if I don't take those commercial breaks during that time I'm on air, mm-hmm. you know, that's that's something major for me. That is a felt connection for renewal. Mm-hmm. Right? Those are my that's my felt thing. So I feel like with all of us, if we don't feel something if we don't feel the joy or feel the abundance or feel the peace, we'll never, we'll never make changes that get us closer to those things that will bring real fulfillment and purpose. We just won't right. because it'll be all of this, right? It'll be all head, mm-hmm. no heart. Mm-hmm. And I think you also have to feel the unfulfillment and you have to feel the anxiety and stress and lump in your throat. Mm. You have to sit in that in order, you know, people make changes because of pain. Yeah. And so I think you have to have self-awareness to sit in that and say, this is not right. Mm-hmm. I've been operating um, uh, on, the, on the wrong cylinders. <laughs> I have not been operating well. Um, and to have the self-awareness to stop. Yeah. And I think, you know, sadly um, – a lot of people kind of get caught up in that cycle where they it becomes their norm. Mm. And so they never say, hmm, this could be better. Mm. I owe it to myself mm-hmm. to be better. Absolutely. I owe it to my family to be better. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I wonder why. I wonder why. I mean, I, and what you just said is a major tenet of what, like, well, truly what this podcast is all about is like this recognition that purpose often comes from pain, you know, and it's, it's purpose is the choice that comes in the midst of the pain of shouldn't, shouldn't be living this way. You know, shouldn't li- life shouldn't be this way. I, it needs to be better. Mm-hmm. Or even if it's in the it's in the cloud or in the fog, it's in the fog. Sometimes it's a fog of like none of this is right, and it becomes the quest of what do I find that is right? What do I find that brings me joy? What is it I find that brings me peace? It's in that quest that beca- that quest becomes the pursuit of purpose because it's all oftentimes a pursuit to get out of pain. Yes. and that's beautiful. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a beautiful process if we allow it. Mm-hmm. I, I, I want to think that a lot of people allow it. I mean, I, maybe I'm, maybe I'm biased because I'm surrounded by women who allow it, which is what, <laughs> again, where this podcast came from. It's like, hey, I've got a lot of, I know a lot of freaking amazing women that have had these same situations, you know, and whether, whether we talk about it or not, it doesn't change the fact that it happened, right? Like, you lost your mom young, and then you had a baby, and that changed your life too. Like all these mm-hmm. things keep changing your life, but it co- keeps coming back to the same lessons, right? The fragility of of this life that we live, and how short it can be, right? Right. And what I mean, what a beautiful lesson to teach, you know? Because you've lived it. Once you've lived it, you can teach it. Absolutely. And, you know, it's, it's funny when people meet me and I surprise them with the fact that I <laughs> grew, grew up in a, a funeral home. Um, most people don't have a lot of questions because they don't you know, know what to ask. They don't know what to ask. They're terrified. Um, <laughs> they would just rather not yeah. touch on that subject. But I have found that, that some people, when, when we really kind of go into it, mm. um, I had lunch the other day with this woman. And we were talking about it, and we had the most beautiful conversation about her grandmother who passed. Mm. And I just wish that we could get a little more comfortable speaking their names. Mm. And so, you know, I I found myself at a business lunch the other day, and I said, well, what was her name? Mm. Tell me about her. What was she like? Mm. And so we, we just had this beautiful conversation because she was willing <laughs> to go there. Yeah. And, uh, you know, of, of course I was as well. But um, I, I just, I wish we could talk about it more to make it um, just part of how we live. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting, like the juxtaposition, right, of death, at life and death. Mm-hmm. Um, my dad has the saying, he, he, nothing, I'll paraphrase, nothing makes you contemplate life more mm. than a birth or a death, you know, a new baby who comes into the world or someone who leaves the world. You know, right. that that is what brings clarity mm-hmm. if you allow it, <laughs> if you allow it. But so many people don't even want to feel it, which I think is a, a missed opportunity, mm-hmm. you know. You have to open up to all of it because it is all part of this this thing we call life. It is part of the condition, right, the human condition of loving, losing, mm-hmm but also learning from that loss. Any parting words today, Katie Radel? I would just like to say, um, you know, we're all, we're all given this amazing thing called an intuition. I've always ignored my intuition um, because it was easier to. Mm. 
And I guess, you know, when, when I kind of grew up and I had faced adversity and just had, had lived my life long enough to experience um, a lot of life, that intuition has become stronger every day. I would say I've befriended death and grief, and I've also befriended my intuition. And I think it's so important not to stuff your intuition away because every time I have, I have listened, really truly have gotten still enough to listen to that intuition, it has led me down a path that I'm so grateful for. And I think that day in the car when I was crying and Bon Iver was playing, <laughs> it, it, was, it, was, it was my intuition. And it was, it's, it's always been there. Yeah. But it, it finally, you know, it was finally like, okay, I get it. Thank you so much. <laughs> <laughs> like, what did it say? Leave. Yeah, go. Your d- go. <laughs> what are you doing here? Go. Um, and, you know, I, I've, I've been a longtime listener of your podcast. <laughs> you know, I love it. I appreciate and it. I, you know, I, I hear from so many of your guests about their intuition. Mm-hmm. And it's this theme, and uh, gosh, I, I just think the world would be better if we could all just get in tune with our intuition a little more, um, because it is it is such a true guide, and it's so unique, mm-hmm. and it's truly ours. Yeah, I love that. Thank you for being here. Yeah, thank you for having me. I love Katie's views on success and intuition and abundance. It all feels so resonant for me. And I think mainly because she just hits on things that I'm always thinking about. Katie is someone who's past the BS of expectation. I mean, she's too old for it. She doesn't care. And those are my favorite people because she's found ways to cultivate meaning in her life. She's made choices that allow her to put time and energy into what she truly values. And to me, that is so incredibly inspiring. Now, after I record every episode, my audio guy, CJ, he sends me the file to review. I go back through the episode. I find my favorite parts. And then CJ turns those into video clips that you can see on Instagram. So when I was reviewing this episode, I was really struck by my conversation with Katie, specifically that that part about success versus abundance and really reevaluating that. It hit me in a really authentic way. And so I've decided to do a solo episode about it next week. It wasn't my original plan, but now it is because as you know, with season three, I've committed to sharing lessons, not just of awesome women, but also sharing the lessons that I'm learning in my own life in real time, because I feel like there's an extra authenticity with that. You know, I'm not just giving you lip service. I'm telling you what I'm learning and I'm kind of working it out with you in these episodes. And I have to believe if I'm thinking about it, other women are too. So I'm just going to talk about it. And Katie's right. So many of my guests have been sharing about intuition lately. I didn't expect that when I set out to put this season together, but I've been thinking of my group of friends. And if we can normalize this, you know, normalize following your heart, normalize listening to yourself and the messages your body is sending you, then we can help more women begin to cultivate meaning and purpose in their lives because that's the path to purpose. Following your curiosity, following what excites you, and makes you feel whole. Now, as you go through your week, I encourage you, take a minute, think about this. What's been your teacher? And while you do that, shine your light, lead with your heart, and live life purposefully. I'm Lauren Lowry, and this is Amstigator. Amstigator.